Buenos dias. So Sam and I got married when we were teenagers. And uh, as smart teenagers, we decided to get married in December. Looking back, I remember my mother-in-law saying, are you sure? That's a lot going on in that month. We're like, yes, we cannot wait any longer. So um, with that being said, our first Christmas together as a married couple was just after we'd been married two weeks. So uh, that, that was our first um, holiday that we spent as a new family, if you will. And the beautiful thing about combining a family is, is that you both have different traditions and backgrounds as far as how you do things. Say, in this instance, it came to stockings. So for Christmas stockings, um, my family would wrap the gifts inside of the stocking and put them inside the stocking. For his family, that was unheard of. <laughs> I had no idea, and he had no idea that we did not have the same viewpoint on how stockings are supposed to be done. And so we both bought our separate gifts, and the night before, we secretly where we both like giggled in a separate bedroom, put things in the stockings and took them downstairs and promised not to peek at the other one. So the next morning when we opened our stockings, he was so surprised everything was wrapped and kind of angry. <laughs> I, on the other hand, was like, what? That's what you do. I had no idea. Um, it was, it was eye-opening, right? Um, now you, I don't wrap the presents in the stockings. We've come to an agreement that that's not how it goes. And I'm sure the kids are, had no idea that that was ever a thing. Even. Well, you know, it's a compromise, but it wasn't like a, a thing to me that I had to have. Did you get a haircut? You look better. Yeah, I can tell, even though you're wearing a hat. So, <laughs> there's almost a compliment. Uh, <laughs> so also when we first got married, our cooking was a little bit different. If you've ever cooked with somebody who is um, not grown up with you your whole life, you, um, you cook differently. I had experienced the world of boxes and canned goods growing up. I really had no idea what the produce section was about at all. In fact, I may not even remember seeing it, to be honest. It may be the only place you go to to get bananas. But as, other than that, we never really got anything out of that section growing up. So that was a whole other eye-opening experience is when I finally saw that the produce section had way more things in it than just bananas. And um, it was a little bit hard being told my chicken was dry, not gonna lie, and that there were methods of brining things that um, makes it taste better. I'd never heard what a brine was. I thought it was a package that you got in the, the, the section in the middle somewhere, along with gravy, which coincidentally doesn't just come in a can or a jar or a package. I didn't know that. So. I was a little stubborn at first because I tend to be a little bit stubborn in learning new methods of cooking. 
interestingly enough, um, once my eyes were opened to new methods of cooking and new ways of celebrating Christmas stockings, things got a little better, you know? Things uh, tasted better <laughs> when it didn't come from a box, and uh, things were smoother. We're both completely surprised on not a good way on Christmas morning. So um, that being said, we're going to um, talk about today a little bit what the disciples considered going into the Gospels. So they knew that Messiah was coming. The Messiah was um, going to usher in a kingdom. They were going to to bring about the change in the world. The thing we're going to find here with the Gospels is that it's not quite what they had in mind. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. We've been talking about Acts, and I apologize. I just have been given a new tool for the slides. There we go. Oh. And the portion of scripture that I was given sorry, was Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 45. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Before this piece, it's best to understand why everybody's so happy or everything seems to be going so well to go back to the four Gospels. The four Gospels um, have been told by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want to skip to Mark here, where Jesus spoke plainly about his death and resurrection to the disciples. And yet they were still unprepared. Peter took him and told him off when Jesus said this. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about these things all the time that they were with him, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> the gospel story of Jesus, seen as the launching of the renewed people of God, includes incomprehension, sorry, incomprehension, failure, and rebellion of that people. And so they are stunned into new faith by the resurrection and energized into obedience by the Spirit. N.T. Wright writes about this in his book, How God Became King. In this, this piece of incomprehension, we have Peter outwardly rejecting what he, who he believes the Messiah to be, saying, no, 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 you cannot die. That's not part of the plan. You're supposed to overthrow Rome, and we're supposed to have a new kingdom, a new ruler, a new king. 
And Jesus is like, no, that's not God's plan. I rebuke you. He's in, he doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't understand, even though he's been walking with Jesus for three years. And everything that Jesus has been doing has been totally different from all of the rulers before him. We also remember um, a Peter denying that he even knew Christ. Remember in the courts when Jesus was being whipped and lashed, that he was seen. And someone said, oh, you're the one that's Jesus' followers. And he said, no, 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 not me. You must have me mistaken for somebody else. Three times he denies Christ. <laughs> We're also, as we walk down the road, we can see that he is, um, that the whole people were up in the upper room. They were stunned by all the things that had happened. They're waiting for the resurrection of Christ. They're hiding. And here, the whole people don't know what's going to happen next. The whole plan is going down the hole. They had this in mind, step by step, what Jesus was going to do. And yet, they're confused. How could he be dead? These things are kingdom of and cross. They will become the pattern of the disciples' lives as we walk through Acts, or as we have already walked through Acts, both as they follow Jesus around Galilee, despite not understanding what he was doing or who he was, truly, and for those times to come yet. After three years of walking alongside Jesus, the early church understood to expect now, after the fact, looking back, that they too may actually encounter suffering, that they too would include their own misunderstandings and the likelihood would die an ugly death like Christ had. The suffering and death of Jesus' people was not, not just a dark path that they had put themselves towards. It was a positive effect of carrying forward the redemptive effects of Jesus' own death, not by adding to the, the, the ugliness of death, but in sharing in the redemptive moment that with his death came life abundance. When we speak of the finished work of the Messiah, we are laying down the groundwork for the message of the kingdom here on earth now and the opening of arms to welcome the Holy Spirit that came on Pentecost. We talked about that in the beginning of Acts chapter 2. This, of course, was not possible without the sending of the Spirit. The people could not continue on without God's power. And God's power came through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read um, Revelations 1, 5 through 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. 
Revelation 5, 9 through 10 says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you are slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God's persons from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. We saw this that when we spoke about how everyone was welcome. It wasn't just for the people of Israel. It was not just for the Jews. But when Christ died, he died for all people, all mankind. And he's worthy. He's worthy of our praises. And here, in, and when we saw it in the beginning of the sermon, Acts, he talks about how the people sang his praises daily. They were just realizing what he truly meant as he walked with them for three years, that his kingdom wasn't going to be the kingdom of the way men do it, the vision of a community rescued by the cross and transformed into kingdom bringers, followers directly from the story. The four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are telling. When Jesus died on the cross, he was winning the victory over the rulers and authorities who have carved out this world in their own violent ways. The establishment of God's kingdom means the dethroning of the world's kingdoms. Not in order to replace them with one similar, using arms and superior methods of rulership. <laughs> but with ones whose power is the power of the servant. And whose strength is the strength of love. Not only did he represent this on the Last Supper when he takes off the sandals of his disciples and washes their feet. He was a servant to his own people. He was put on the cross and it was said that love is what kept him there. The love for his people. Revelations 12 10 through 11 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. This is Jesus. And by the word of their testimony. He is risen. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. It is in this light that we can look at the scene of Jesus standing before Pilate. He seems to be on trial. But really, if we look at the scene again, with our eyes opened, we can see that Jesus is challenging the authorities on this world. Challenging the way that the kingdoms have been placed in advance of being in the world. Jesus being sent to the cross is bringing a new way of being in the world, bringing about God's kingdom through the cross. The gospels are not just a retelling of stories of Jesus as we see them in the Western world. It's the people expected to see him as all the ones had before him 
being established. It's the people's eyes being open to the fact that he came in as a servant, that he came in as a leader who was guiding in love, that he was coming into the kingdoms that had in a total different way than the ones that got before him. Jesus was set up on the hill, a light for all to see. It cannot be hidden. Jesus bringing in his kingdom through the crucifixion, resurrection, and the sending of the Holy Spirit made available for all who believe the power of the kingdom. Come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we go back to Acts and we see now that the, the disciples had before expected him to come in and overthrow Rome, expected him to come in and set up his own authorities, his own armies, his own power, that they have now realized as they sit there, oh, that's not what he had in mind at all. I mean, he said it all the time, but now we're finally seeing it. Oh, serving being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, tapping in to those miracles he was doing. Now that Pentecost has come and the Spirit is upon us, they're seeing what they're really supposed to be doing. They're not supposed to be building an army. They're not supposed to be building uh, power, to overthrow Rome. They're bringing the message of a new way of being in the world. Israel had never seen this before. Being a servant was not how they expected it to look. Being filled with love for those around them and proclaiming the good news of the gospel was not how they expected God and Jesus to come into the world. So when we go to Acts and we see they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, they're finally teaching through this lens. They're finally eyes wide open to the fact that this was not going to happen the way that they had always thought, the way that they, over generation, to, from generation, from generation, through the Old Testament, had seen authorities overthrown before. God's kingdom came through the cross. His power came through Pentecost. And settled on all. Prior to that, the temple was only a place that you would go to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. Now it's available here, right here, wherever you are. Prior to that moment, you had to go to a certain place. You had to be a certain type of person. And now it's available for all. And that was the new message the apostles were preaching and teaching to the fellowship. They also took bread and prayer. They did this not because it was common, because it wasn't. It was first seen at the Last Supper. That's the first time it's ever been done. There was no tradition of um, taking communion prior to that, as far as um, we know of. So this was something that they took an example of from Jesus and started practicing in their daily lives. Not because it's just another thing to do, but because they were saying, 
I'm partaking in the suffering of Christ. I'm partaking in the kingdom of God coming to earth right here, right now. I am partaking of that. It was a remembrance. It was a recognition to that new way of being in the world and an example with the power of the Holy Spirit and the signs and wonders that came. Apostles went out and they, they did what Jesus did. People were healed. Lame people walked. Blind people could see. Demons were cast out. It wasn't just Jesus doing it anymore. It was God's apostles who were bringing about the new way of being in the world, the kingdom way, God's kingdom way. They shared things in common. Now, this, is, this was um, something that they did all along with Jesus as well. So Jesus didn't carry around a purse of, with coins, and neither did his disciples. They all shared the things that they had as they walked along their journey and as Jesus led them across. So this wasn't entirely new in this fellowship, in this community, but it was carrying on a way. It was another way to remember Sorry, guys. I think I'm, I keep sliding it the wrong way. <laughs> One more. Um, that must be all that I put in there. Here we go. Okay. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and that when he had given things, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. <laughs> I was telling Tony after worship that he didn't know this, but I had Philippians already in my notes. And um, this, <laughs> this was already in my slides, you can ask David. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith prior to these days. It was the law. It was the law that they walked by that they had to follow word for word. They had to, to be considered clean. Prior to the days of the ascension and the resurrection of our Christ, they had so many rules and they were constantly burdened with every little thing that they did or didn't do. What they ate and didn't eat. When they worked and when they didn't work. Every single thing. We had a way of doing and being. And Christ came, his resurrection lifted. Oh, the freedom. The freedom in Christ that we do not even understand. And here it is being proclaimed that 
I consider everything that I worked so hard for to be garbage because the freedom in Christ Jesus. I gain Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. All we have to do is believe. And the spirit falls. And we are one with Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus is our Lord. I, I ask you, how have you, how have you read or perceived something in the word in a way that is only by our Western mind, that is perceived through how we grew up and not through the enlightenment of the word of God, not through the spirit of God. Think of a moment when your eyes were opened to what it really meant. When you saw something one way and only one way, and all of a sudden, your eyes were open to something. This is the revelation that the disciples were coming to see. That they had thought one way their whole life that he was going to come in and he was going to overthrow Rome. But maybe, just maybe, they're looking at it from their worldview. When Jesus, who, who has all in mind, says this is not just for one people, this is for all people. The Christ What if we let the Holy Spirit open our eyes to the word of God, to the person next to us? What if we let the Holy Spirit change our way of being in the world? What if we let the Holy Spirit change our way of being? Father God, we pray we lift our hands, we sing songs, we bring glory to your name, we give praise. Thank you for your kingdom come on earth as your is in heaven, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this world through the cross, through his shed blood for all people. Father God, we worship you. Thank you for empowering us with your Holy Spirit, making it available for us to be in this world in the way you intended. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open us to see and do and hear and be the people that you have called us to be. We welcome your spirit. We acknowledge your spirit. Empower us today. Father, we surrender to you. We know it's not without being misunderstood and we know that it's not going to be without its own trials and sufferings to be your people, to be the people that you have called us to be. And with that, God, we, we welcome you. We humbly ask that you would forgive us, that you would show us your way, 
as we surrender ourselves to you this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I've asked that we have communion today because we, it is just a simple symbol of our way of saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We, we come together and we break the bread. We devote ourselves to you, God. And we are in awe of your spirit. We are in awe of you. Adrian, would you come and help Basil pass the, the... As you take um, the bread and the, the juice, I'm going to go back to that scripture where we read. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it. This is my body. They, those disciples had no idea what he meant, but they did it in their incomprehension. You know what he really meant. We're saying we are coming together with you in your suffering. We partake of your blood. We partake of your body. He took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, during this song that we're going to play, I encourage you not just in, as times prior that we have taken this for the washing away of our sins, but in the recognition and acknowledgement that this is the way his kingdom came to earth, that his power was given to his people, that this, this is a symbol of joining with the Christ in the plan thank you, from the beginning. And as you reflect upon that, please just take when you are ready. You don't have to wait for me to guide you. Let the Spirit guide you. This is a moment. This is a holy place. We are here acknowledging you, Jesus, who welcomed me. Jesus, welcome me in this place, mighty God. You welcome me in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me take up the bread. 
Father God, we just welcome you in this place. We take this moment to be at peace with you. Oh, Father God, we worship you. We welcome you in this place. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord. For your bridging the gap between us and the destructive ways of this world. Thank you, Lord, for being with us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I just challenge you all today to go with your eyes wide open, welcoming the Holy Spirit as you walk in God's power and truth.